1: In.
0: Clock. It's the In It's the Clock. Oh, that was really interesting, mate. Yeah. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Exchange Podcast. My name is Windy, and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hey. And we are in the midst of the run-up. To the Champions League final, which still sounds ridiculous every time I say it, but we're going to give you a little preview from um, from our perspective today. I think we've got lots to say, but I'll start off with this. Nathan, how are you feeling?
2: Um, I don't. I'm. I'm not processing it. I'm not. Like I'm not. I. I don't think I'll be able to acknowledge it. Maybe until after it's happened. I just. Like the the notion of the notion of us being in the Champions League final, I can't grapple with it.
1: Yeah, I
0: hear you. and buddy, you're flying out to Madrid. How are you doing?
1: I've I've been okay. I've been quite busy at work and I've had stuff to kind of occupy me. But I've had my deadline, my last deadline before I go away is is done. So I think I'm going to go to work tomorrow and just do very little other than <laughs> stay on Twitter and bait, hopefully bait Arsenal fans and you know. Just look forward to the game and get continually more and more nervous.
2: I woke up in the middle of the night last night a couple of times thinking about the Champions League <laughs> final. So that's that's a couple of days out still. So it'll be interesting to see how, what kind of mess I get myself into over the next yeah. next few days.
1: I've had six days of, of dreams. Every night I've dreamt some version of the Champions League. I've gone from tight 1-0 wins, defeats to four VAR goals disallowed before <laughs> half time. I've gone through everything but every time I wake up I'm like, "Oh, thank God it's not Saturday yet. It's not Sunday. It hasn't happened. That wasn't real." So, um, yeah, so it's definitely on my mind. I've had the um
0: I've had the most miserable week, right? Uh, so I've been ill for the whole bank holiday weekend and then missed a couple of days of work cuz I'm still not fully recovered. But um <laughs> I realized today I was just reflecting on how I've been filling my time whilst being sick and I've done it by watching Chernobyl, which I don't know if you've seen Chernobyl yet. Um it's it's really great, but it's so, so depressing. Um, reading The Catcher in the in the Rye for the first time, I don't know if you have read that. It's a terrible book. It's just full of teenage angst and uh scepticism of the world around us, basically. And also listening to the Case File podcast, a particular episode about the East area rapist. So I was reflecting on this today thinking what am I do- like why am I not just in a complete downward spiral right now? And it's amazing that I'm not. I still feel so chilled about the Champions League final and positive about just about the fact that we're there. I don't I don't have any expectation at all and I tend to um I tend to enjoy Spurs games more when there's no expectation. And I just feel so relaxed and happy and ready to enjoy it. Um let's talk a little bit about Liverpool, who we're up against. Um I guess people are going to expect us to have some takes on, on them as a team. And I, I guess we talk a little bit first about some of their strengths. Barley, do you, to, do you want to start us off with what you see as their key strengths?
1: Well, of course, they, they replaced a the goalkeeper that maybe cost them the final last year with Alisson, who at £70 million was an awful lot of money. But they've got a goalkeeper who's who's reliable, who's solid shot stopper, decent in the air, decent with his feet. And they've almost they've re- removed that kind of... Um, the chaos factor. We've added someone who's um quite quite stable. There's um Alexander Arnold, who I'm sure we'll get into when Nathan talks about fullbacks. But there's there's not really um a weakness anywhere. Perhaps Matip is a player that we can get at. But they're they're a great team. They've only lost um, I think they lost four times all season in all competitions. They're they're a really good team and they are the favourites. But we have some hope and hopefully we'll go into how we can beat them.
0: How about you Nathan what do you see as Liverpool's kind of key strengths?
1: Um I think rather than it being
2: like in a particular position I think it's the 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 way they've developed over the last um 18 months they've really rounded out as a team for, for a long time I've had big doubts over um their ability to um make their style work week in week out but they you know they've had a 97 point season um I don't know they just they they've always been brilliant in you know these big games unfortunately for us um but their ability to sort of make that work for them uh, uh, on a saturday at 3 p.m. um has been brilliant. You might think well that's not really relevant to the Champions League final against us but you know it means that it means that we can't play like a small side, that's not really a viable means anymore of playing against Liverpool. We can't sit back like we did a couple of years ago at Wembley for a four one victory. I don't think that's a viable option anymore. That's their biggest strength is that they are they are rounded. They're a complete team. I think I think possibly the fact that they if they were to lose this game and the fact that they missed out on the the title as well means that they will likely miss out on going down as, you know, a legendary team, but I think they are one of the greatest sides that we've seen.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's a, f- a fair comment that they're one of the best Premier League sides ever. Um, this season has been spectacular for them and they've just been pipped by the best Premier League side ever, in my opinion. Um, and I think one thing you were saying there, Nathan, was the ability to sort of get the job done on a Saturday at 3pm, which was questionable before this season. And I think one of the things they've added that has really helped with that is their, their set-piece conversion rate. So um, they've got 20 set-piece goals this season, which is absolutely remarkable. And I think that's in part due to the delivery. So, you know, they've got consistently good set-piece takers. Alexander-Arnold, who's already mentioned, is one. James Milne is another. Um There are players there that can put in a good ball and also lots of players that can finish, including Virgil van Dijk, who I think is one of the players of the season, if not the player of the season. Um, I think he's fantastic. Are there any holes? Vardy's already said there aren't but Nathan do you think there are any holes in Liverpool? Is there anything we can cling on to as kind of an area to attack?
2: I think rather than their weaknesses um, which I think are few and far between um, it would be better to look at our particular strength which is essentially exists in our experience against them. The fact that we've played this, this Liverpool side that haven't stylistically changed huge amounts um, is is our advantage that we know firsthand what they're like and we know some of the more minor details and we can prepare for that. I think also the fact that we've had, you know, this is a three-week gap in order to prepare specifically for this game. That's the advantage. There there are stylistic things and contrary to what I said earlier, although they have been winning those 3PM games, yes, they have relied on set pieces, you're right, and it has been um, a bit more of a grind. They're still not creatively fluid, um, which means that if we have a goal in our favor then then maybe a defensive situation can work for us but i mean i don't know um it's really hard to point to a weakness i i guess <sighs> I guess there is there space behind the fullbacks is is the is the simple answer.
0: Simple, but at the same time really complex because you have to take a massive gamble to exploit that. Yeah. Um. And and that's the that is the the constant issue with Pochettino against Klopp. I guess. Bardi, I think we we talk a little bit about how we've got on previously against Liverpool. Has anything stood out to you, good or bad, in our sort of recent match ups with
1: them? Well, I mean the the last game we played against. Basically we haven't had um we haven't had sun fully available against Liverpool this year. And I think one of the one of the things we can do is use one of Liverpool's strengths against them. We know their full backs will will push high and we know there'll be space there. And I think by deploying Sun from the start against them, it gives them automatically something to think about. He he didn't start when we played at Wembley and he didn't start at um uh, he didn't start at Anfield either. So I think just him being on the pitch will automatically forced Trent Alexander-Arnold to, to perhaps curtail his run, his movement forward and the option to push him on the other side up against Robertson. So there is a possibility there to hit him on the break. Uh, when Liverpool have lost this season against Chelsea, um, in at home in the, in the League Cup, against Napoli away, it was late goals there as well. So there's... There's there's plenty still to be hopeful for. Liverpool are a great team, but great teams get beaten all the time in finals. It's not this isn't this isn't a um, a walkover for them. So there's some hope there. If Winks is fit, I'd like to see Winks and Sissoko playing. And I I, I don't want to see. I'm a big advocate for three at the back, but I think we have to go back four for this game. When we started uh, with three at the back at Anfield, there was big gap in between Rose and the one of the, and I think it was Aldevarod on the right and they, they exposed that and there was uncertainty um, dealing with crosses so I'd like to see you have a back four but there's still a lot there to be hopeful for
0: Nathan you've been writing this week about some of the some of the matches that Pochettino's had against Klopp and you stumbled I mean you made a really have you published the article yet uh
2: no but it should be out before this podcast so you can you're free to talk about it
0: cool okay because we, we've seen the draft and I, I, I thought it was great um I really enjoyed it and, and you made a point that I totally missed which is that Potentino perhaps been taking a kind of long-term approach to how he beats Liverpool do you want to expand a little bit on that and, and give us your thesis
2: yeah so there's sort of an element to the article which which acts as an apology from myself to Watch, you know, which is that I, I and we all did, but we all criticised him very heavily for continuing to, to play a possession game against Liverpool and that seems like such an obviously poor decision. But as I was mentioning earlier, now it looks like that's the only way because the defensive game plan eventually Liverpool are going to either through a set piece or just by grinding away they're going to break you down. Um, and you also you can't just play a long ball over the top because they don't have Dejan Lovren starting there anymore. So. The The fact that Pochettino has continued to force his game and say, look, we can make this work. If we're brave, if we're at our best, if we make the right tweaks, we can play a possession game against Liverpool. And he's been saying that for years. I think that is becoming true at just the right time. I think if you look at our most recent game, I think the best 45-minute spell, aside from the 4-1 at Wembley, but the best 45-minute spell of our own possession has come in the most recent 45 minutes against Liverpool when we played... A very odd, asymmetrical shape with with a left back and a left wing back at the same time. This is that's the kind of level that that of tweaks that you need to find that you need to make, um, and that's not something that you stumble across quickly. Obviously, um, so yeah, I, I think. Not just that game, but over the last three games, there's been some interesting tweaks, some interesting, really minute detail stuff. But it's a minute minute detail that can really swing a game and and change things dramatically. You know, the use of Delhi as a 10, which hopefully is what we're going to see or something along those lines. The use of asymmetry, use of doubling and tripling up in wide areas, things like that.
0: That's It's a perfect point to come on to the next section, which is how we think we might set up for this game. And Bardi, you've said there no to three at the back. Yeah. Um, Nathan, you kind of said the tweaks and the asymmetry might be a good thing. So how do we manage? I mean, I, I think I'm siding with Bardi in terms of I, I don't think we can afford to take out another attacking player. To comp to add another centre back and play Davinson as well, or fourth as well as Betongan and Nadevar. But how do you find those tactical quirks, if you like, without doing something odd like that, Nathan? What do you think will do tactically?
2: Well, yeah. Uh, firstly, on, on three at the back, we've only played three at the back against them. I think that one time in the most recent game, and it started off okay, but then. Um, the, they found a way to make our defence a flat-back five. And when you do that, there's space outside of the midfield. So we saw um, Alexander-Arnold put the cross in for Firmino. So the three at the back isn't the right shape, or doesn't seem to be at least the right shape for Liverpool. So yeah, I, I think it will be a four at the back. I think the 11 is fairly obvious. I think, you know, it's going to be Vertonghen if he's fit, and if not, Davinson. It's going to be um, Winks if he's fit, and if not, it's going to be Wanyama. It's going to be Kane if he's fit, and if not, Lucas and Son together. Um and yeah, I think we're probably looking at a diamond or maybe a four two 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 or maybe that same eleven again, but a four two three one. I think that we can do a lot of preparation, we can look over a lot of tape, um, but the tweaks we're not likely to start with the solution. Liverpool are likely to start strong and it's a matter of then again, looking at those details, looking at what the different things we prepared, looking at the options we have and tweaking things afterwards. So yeah, asymmetry could well be it. Something especially narrow with wide movements could well be it. I, I, I think we start our best 11, but we don't commit to it. We say, look, if we've got to make a change at 20 minutes to make this work, that's what we do.
0: We'll come back to that. I think that you, that's a really interesting point you just made about not starting with the the, the right eleven, as it were. Um, Bardi, I've got a couple of things I want to ask you. Firstly, you previously said in a pod a couple of couple of weeks back, um, you, you didn't think Kane should start. Do you still stand by that? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no.
1: I think um, maybe at the time I was still carried away from the IX result. But uh, if Kane is fit, Kane starts. He um you know, he 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 gives us what Lorente gives us, but he obviously he gives us even more than that. He drops deep, he gets involved, he can go over the top as well. And if Kane is fit, Kane starts. There's no doubt about it. And it's how um how we use the players around him. Um as, as Nathan says, it's gonna be quite in, we're gonna to have to change our approach. I think a lot of the time we might see the ball kind of moved into Ericsson and he'll look for the quick ball. Um, out, out wide to sun, either left or right. Or we we'll, might go direct into Kane a few times. I, I think Liverpool's press and whatever midfield trio they play, there's, there's an intensity there that we can't live with. And it's gonna have to, we're gonna have to accept the fact that we're gonna lose the ball sometimes in dangerous places. But the risk of reward is so great. If Sissoko manages to break through that midfield like he did a couple of times against Ajax, all of a sudden, I think, genuinely, they're in the ship if that happens, so I think it's going to need a few players to be brave, which is why I really hope Winx is is good to play.
0: Yeah, I'm fully, I'm fully with you on that one. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May seventeenth. Do you want to tell people the big news? The other thing I wanted to ask you, we had a question from uh, Darren Weatherall who said Trippier or Aurier are right back. And I think that kind of stems from some of the previous encounters that has had against Sadio Mane. What, where, what do you think, Bardi? We've, you've got a difficult decision there. Pochettino has previously been very loyal to Trippier throughout what's been a rough season for him. Plus, Aurier's only just back from injury. What, what would you do? What do you expect Pochettino to do?
1: I think Trippier starts... I think even though he's can be inept he he does offer us something. Uh Michael Cox who's got a, a new book coming out wrote today he did a tactical analysis of um of our game versus Ajax and he did a whole paragraph on right back issues and he started it by talking about how bad Trippier was but then he started talking about when Trippier had someone to look for and and, and an out ball how he suddenly became quite important and even though he's had a bad season even though he's a terrible player I think he starts and I think it's basically we know Trippier we don't know Aurier and I don't think now is the time to gamble on Aurier in the Champions League final.
0: And Nathan I'll ask you this one Bardi's already said that he thinks Son should start to try and exploit the space behind fullbacks presumably then that means that Lucas is on the bench how how do you feel about that Nathan?
2: I'd actually have them the other way around um I think that as we talked about before, they're both quite streaky players. I think that that last time we were playing, that Lucas was on, and and Sun was off. And I think that you you carry on from that point. I think Sun is such a brilliant player to be able to bring off the bench. And again, I do think we should be looking to the bench fairly early. So I don't think there's any um, big worry about excluding Sun in that regard. So I would start Kane and Lucas probably as a front two with Sun.
1: Oh my God. There's, there's like ten thousand South Koreans going to Madrid. <laughs> they're gonna, they're going riot. He'll come on.
2: He'll like no, he's 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 the first player off the bench for so many circumstances. Um, and I can also see the game going to one hundred twenty minutes. So I, I think he'll, I, he'll play even if he doesn't start.
1: I I I know what you mean, but I just think I think Lucas had a decent impact off the bench, and I I just think Sun is Sun is a big game player, and I just I it's not not romantic. If I was going for romantic reasons, I would say start Lucas after everything that he'd done, but I I just think you have to start Sun. He's our player of the year. He's um he's been our. Other than Kane, our best attacking threat consistently through the year, and I think we have to start with Kane. Uh, with Son and Kane.
0: Oh, it's such a tricky one. I really wouldn't want to be the one making that decision. I don't envy Pochettino at all with that that call because
1: it could. Oh, it's, it
0: could make such a difference either way. Um, I think, go on, don't sit on the fence. Then go on. <laughs> no, it. I, go I on. mean, I would probably <laughs> pick Lucas, and I think Pochettino will pick Son. Um, but I, the thing is with Son when he's when he's good, he's so good. But he's had a a tough end to the season and I think that's, you know, we spoke about it in the last podcast, it's through no fault of his own. He's played a lot of minutes this season, not just for us but for his country as well and you know maybe the 3 week break would have done him good. Maybe it would have freshened him up a bit and he, there'll be something in his legs but um yeah I mean Lucas got a hat trick in the semi what what more could you have asked for from him so does Poch go with meritocracy who knows Um the I other think, uh, sorry buddy. just
1: my, no just my final point on Sun I think Sun is the better player. I think he's had 3 weeks off. I think I think Sun should start for those reasons but Lucas needs to be warming up the whole time letting Sun know that <laughs> That's the easy swap to do, yeah, yeah, if it's not if it's not happening, he's off, I think delhi, even if Delhi's having an awful game, he has to remain on the pitch yeah. because. He, he's one of the few players who, with a, a flick of the boot, can, can set somebody away and just create something.
0: Yeah, you're so right there. Um, and I think you're right. There's there's no room for sentimentality in the Champions League final. This is the time where that's absolutely off the table. Um, it's just difficult, isn't it? I mean, a lot of these players won't ever be in this position again. So it is, it's a really big call to make. I suppose the other thing to note is... We do have genuine bench options, I mean, not least because there are 12 substitutes in the uh, Champions League final. Uh, But we've got Llorente, who's now, I would say, a a proven plan B as this season's gone. Nathan, we've spoken a bit about the impact he's had in Europe, presumably because he's kind of a more traditional English centre-forward. Is that negated as such because he'll be up against Van Dijk?
2: uh possibly with with van dyke but the the thing with um the target man is that he chooses which center back he wants to go off against so he can go off against matip uh, which is which is slightly more favorable but i think um I'm I'm not going to say that he doesn't have a value because if you look at the the 2-2 when he came on and and helped win a penalty and all of the rest of that he he did have a purpose but I think generally um playing long against Liverpool doesn't work because they they turn that into a situation they turn that into the chaos that they they thrive in um they they'll win the second ball and then they'll play long as you're pushing up <clears throat> to chase the initial ball and and that's how they catch you out so um I, I don't. I don't think he's likely to be the answer, but I wouldn't rule it out. Especially, yeah, would... sorry, uh, if if we, uh, I'm sorry, for cutting you off. Uh, if if we can can take control of the game, which which I think we likely will do towards the end, if we can push Liverpool back into their own half and control them and use our own pressing to push them back, then that might be the time to bring Lorente on.
0: I, I think. The use of substitutes is going to be so crucial, especially if it's a close game and we don't know whether it will go to extra time. um, Because we'll have players who are returning from injury and and won't be fully fit and able to play 120 minutes. So Pochettino is going to have to really earn his money in this one. Um, let's let's move on to some questions. And we've covered some of this already, but I think it's useful to kind of crystallise our thoughts. So Joshua Brown says... Uh, what's the best shape to limit Trent Alexander-Arnold Trent Alexander and Robertson's involvement in the game? He was at Anfield early in the season and there was a period in the first half where they were relentless and we couldn't cope. So we said already that we think pushing them back is, is one way of limiting their um, their influence. But Nathan, what what's the kind of defensive tactic in terms of how do we stop them?
2: So definitely a back four, I think, as we discussed before, if you if you play the back Three, they make it a five, and and their space in front of the defense. So, um, but I think you, Pochettino likes to use only two players in wide areas. He likes to have one player on each wing, and everyone else plays in the middle, and that's normally that normally works really really well. Um, but I think with, when it comes to Liverpool, you have to find a way to double up out wide because they're so aggressive with those fullbacks are um, so aggressive with their wingers um, that your your fullback, especially when they're you know the Trippier and possibly if they're Davies or whatever, they can sort of um, really get bullied. So you have to um, double up, but you also don't want to um, narrow out midfield. So you have to use clever movements you have to start narrow and, and, and burst wide or start wide and come in narrow and, and stuff like that so the, the there isn't a shape it's about um, movement and, and changing and, and doubling and tripling
0: cd warblegler uh, who is at underscore cgw underscore says do liverpool use a man zonal or mix when defending corners and are spurs likely to tailor their delivery based on liverpool's defensive setup or just keep going near post as if they are always man marking so i mean i've, I've Noticed across the season that Liverpool have tended to have a man on each post. They then have three, sometimes four, on the edge markings only, and um, marking zone. Sorry, and then they have. Man to man marking as well on top of that to kind of block off runners. Um, so that, that, I think that's fairly standard now. That's not an unusual yeah. tactic. That's, that's kind of what most Premier League teams would do, except perhaps the man on each post. Normally, most teams go one man on the post, one man on one post, leaving the other area for the goalkeeper to cover. Um, Bardi, what do you think we, this is an area we can take advantage of? Liverpool had a particular weakness under Klopp, um, when he first came in. They, they were suspect at set pieces. That's, kind of been fixed to a degree with van dyke and allison coming in but do you think this is an area where we can take advantage
1: um i don't know <laughs> i don't know i don't know it's um uh maybe not from corners you know van dyke and allison are solid we we under uh, we we um sorry we cut them apart at anfield with a quick free kick from from kane um I'm not sure, to be honest with you. The, the, our corners have been hit and miss all season. I don't know whether set pieces are the key to unlock Liverpool. I definitely think um, taking free kicks quickly and trying to catch them on the on the on the on the hop as often as possible is the best is the best probably the best tactic. Kind of what they did to Barcelona. Yeah, exactly. They're, you know, they will in, they will disrupt disrupt players, stop us counter-attacking, bring fouls down. And it's a question of don't let them get set, move the ball as quickly as possible.
0: And Nathan, final one I'm going to ask you, how, what do you see the pattern of the game being?
2: I think uh, Liverpool will start strong and I think that we will have to adapt to that. I think that they they've shown some tendency to fade late. You mentioned earlier late goals. I don't know if that is... So much stylistic as as fitness, and maybe the break means that that's lesser in play, but I think the Pochettino will adapt um, so yeah i think I think what the most likely pattern is that Liverpool will have the first half and will have the second, and if it's equal after that, then uh, it may well go to penalties, which is a terrifying prospect
1: yeah in in the two league games there's definitely been the last fifteen twenty minutes of both matches, even though we lost with a last minute own goal we've definitely had the upper hand. Yeah. So if we're still in the, if we're still in the game with 15, 20 minutes to go, I have faith. I have faith that we might do something, but I definitely agree with Nathan. They're going to come flying at us like kind of like what Man City did. And it's up to us to come, to stand firm because against Ajax home and away and against City away, we, we crumbled in those first few minutes. We, we have to start strong. We have to do that.
0: And we've done a lot of tactics and analysis there. We're going to end with a bit of passion. Uh, so, Spurs in Barcelona, who is a remarkably shady, questionable character, he says, uh, Poch gives you two minutes in the changing room to give the lads a team talk before the game. What do you tell them? Bardy, over to
1: you. <laughs> I, I, oh, what would you say? I'd just say, this is my life. This is my entire existence is tied up in this game because. I've devoted my life, like many of us have, to this club and this club hurts me all the time and it hurts all of us. But if we win this game, it's, it erases everything and all of a sudden we, we're reborn and we're Tottenham Hotspur Champions League winners. And that's something that nobody expected and these guys have the opportunity to become fucking legends. Sure, proper legends. You you know how much we worship like um, Jimmy Greaves and Paul Gascoigne and all these guys. Can you imagine Harry Kane, what this person becomes if he wins this game and all of them? It would be... um It would be monumentally life-changing for millions of Spurs fans around the world. It would change my life and it would change everybody else's.
2: Beautiful. Nathan,
0: anything you'd like to add?
2: I don't know how I'm going to top that, um, but I do have a two-minute video I can show them of them working the ball around Liverpool, pushing them back into their own half, squeezing them in and controlling the game.
1: Love it! I, I love it. Nathan goes in with his iPad to show. You. That's <laughs> it. They've never, never changed. Nathan,
0: <laughs> beautiful. Ah, uh, guys, it's, you've summed it up beautifully. Um, I, I feel, I feel like I. I I can't add anything to what Bardi said there. I think you've absolutely nailed it. This is a life-changing opportunity for all of those players. And I think the important thing for them to remember is they might never get this opportunity again. They've just got to leave absolutely everything on the pitch. And that doesn't mean to, say, throw themselves into every tackle um and just run around like headless chickens. That's to say, if ever there was a time to focus and do the job that you've been asked to do by your manager and to trust that that manager, this is the moment. Just regardless of what's gone before, this is a one-off game against 11 individuals. Yes, they're very good individuals, but if you follow your manager's tactical instructions to the letter, you, you make right decisions nine times out of ten, nine and a half times out of ten, then you give yourself a chance. And if you win this game, then that's it. You've completed football. You've completed your career, basically. It doesn't get any better. And you can just retire and play Uno for the rest of your life. I mean
1: this this Champions League run has been culture shifting. If you if you go back to um the the inter game where we went one 0 up through a deflected goal and then Icardi and last minute winner and it's just like typical Spurs. And then the Barcelona's fire fair enough, they put us away. But then the PSV game, Luis gets sent off sent off and it's just like this is normal spurs and then all of a sudden something shifted in us we scored two last minute uh, goals against psv one of which kind of bumbled in and from that moment on the, the belief in this team and the spursiness of us in the champions league anyway kind of evaporated and we stood up against a Dortmund team. We took on Manchester City, who absolutely destroyed the Premier League. And we beat them over two legs. It's not a one-off game. Over nine, over two ninety minutes, we, we saw them off. And then we did the same with everybody's darlings, Ajax. So this final game, there's very few moments in life you have the chance to change the culture and everything associated with your club. But we have that now. And, you know, I'm a Spurs fan. I believe we can do it. And it would just be an incredible moment if it happens.
0: It really does feel like the planets have aligned during our Champions League run this season. I mean, we've been pretty poor in the, in the last half of the season in the league, but the Champions League's kind of gone our way at every possible turn, um, these, these past few games. And, you know, Poch is a believer in universal energy. And I'm sure that, that will come out in the team talk pre-match. There'll be something about things, something karmic, some something's happening that is intangible and he won't be able to describe that he'll just say, this is our time. You know, this is, this is our time to, do something. Oh, God, It's exciting. Listen, we'll, we'll leave it there. I'll, I'm sure I'll see some of our listeners at the Fighting Cock Social. I cannot wait for Saturday afternoon. I'm looking forward to having a few beers. Uh, hopefully relax, trying to relax before kickoff, um, and then just all being together for that um, moment. Bardi, I want to wish you very safe travels in Madrid. I hope you have an awesome trip, but do stay safe. God's sake. I'll try. <laughs> have, you, have you got travel insurance?
1: Uh... No, don't think so.
0: (laughs) Mate, I'll I'll buy you travel insurance. (laughs) We need you back. Nathan, hope you enjoy it. Wherever you end up watching it, I hope you enjoy it. Please, Tottenham, please. Please, please. Thank you, guys. Great speaking to you.
2: Oh, my God, my heart is racing.